It's a Northern Virginia Church Academy special with Matt Fisk, Katie Fisk, and Brett Kreider talking about the Marty Solomon special event, The Four Pillars of Discipleship. And we've talked so far about the Eastern versus Western perspective and trying to embrace uh, both sides, but bringing out the Eastern perspective as we read the scriptures and engage with Jesus. Uh, we talked second about discipleship and how the the call of discipleship to be a disciple is so much higher in Jesus's mindset because it's a rabbi calling a student, a Talmud, which we don't really understand, but it's so much higher and so much greater. That was the first pillar. The second pillar is what we're going to talk about now, which is community. So Brett, why don't you kick us off with how... Uh, how Marty got into the idea of community. Well, the first thing that hits me is when you're talking about community, you have people with different worldviews. And so you have to understand what some of these worldviews were. Just like today, people have different worldviews. And as when you're talking to somebody with a different worldview, you're bringing in an agenda. And there are strengths and weaknesses of every worldview, and the same in their day. Now, the, the dominant culture was Hellenism. It was the Greeks, through Alexander the Great, conquering the world, but not by military force. They actually had these, uh, they would have somebody go into the city and bring the good news, the gospel, which is that Hellenism is coming, and it would bring uh, some of the benefits of society. I don't know if you remember some of the, what were some of the different benefits? Yeah, sanitation, education. Comfort. Yeah, the entertainment. Healthcare, 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 luxury, wealth. Yeah. Yeah. And toilets, which, you know, that's a good thing. It's big. That's true. And so Marty breaks it down into four areas, including competition was another with um, the uh, gymnasiums and and the, the sports. So Hellenism was promising a whole new way of looking at the world. And instead of it being God centered, now the whole focus was on man meeting his needs, bringing a comfort and a leisure and a new, I'll I'll say a standard of living. That's the way we would talk about it today. It's almost like the American dream. I was about to say, that doesn't sound familiar at all. (laughs) Yeah, what's that like? (laughs) And so in the midst of this Greek dream or American dream that they were bringing in, the, the Jews had been taken over by the Greeks and everybody reacted differently. And so in the, you know, in the downtown Jerusalem, where you had the power struggle, there were certain groups, whereas out in the backwater Galilee, you had other groups. Downtown in Jerusalem, you had the priesthood. And the priesthood, when they were faced with the challenge of losing their job or becoming more Hellenistic, a whole group of them called the Sadducees adopted this new compromise where they tried to embrace both. And in a sense, what they did was they became corrupt. They were no longer priests who had a single focus on God. And if you remember, what was their strength and their weakness? It was uh, their strength was ordained leadership, but their weakness was corruption. Yeah. And so that was the, the Sadducees. Then you had the Herodians. So Herodians were the ones who tried to embrace both worlds. They tried to be a good Jew and a good Greek. It's kind of like being a good American and a good Christian. 
And it's interesting how those two can blend in a lot of different flavors even today. And the challenge there was, are you embracing God's story, which is to lay your life down for others and be super hospitable like Abraham, to uh, be a blessing to the other nations? Or are you taking more of a selfish approach of, you know, I just want my comfort and I like my uh, Greek and American luxuries. And if you embrace both, you'd be called a Herodian. Can anyone relate to that? You know, I, I, I think one time, I think I, <laughs> no, I mean, clearly that is, That's that is the, the American lives. way. It's definitely my, what I've had to battle with most of my life, trying to be be part of this world and enjoy the comforts and 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 have all the new apple gadgets and still somehow be selfless and frugal and completely outward focused is um that's that's yeah. that's a struggle and so these worldviews were clashing and many of the jews actually left jerusalem uh you had groups like the the essenes who in order to es- escape the corrupt system they actually went out into like the caves in Qumran. And when, you, when they found the, the scrolls in Qumran, the Dead Sea Scrolls, it was a outpost of Essenes who had bunkered up and just basically rejected society because they didn't want to be Herodians. They didn't want to, to give in to all the American luxuries. Then you had a group called the, the Zealots. <laughs> Now, you, do you remember from the 12, one of them was called a zealot? What was it? Simon. And it's possible that Judas was too. because because yeah. he had two Right. Well, Iscariot, a man from... Anyway, there's, yeah. there's debate about that. So yeah, definitely. And these zealots had incredible passion for Judaism. They wanted to free their country of these uh, invading authorities that were changing their culture and threatening the very existence of the worship of God. And so their answer to that was violent. So even though they had this passion and zeal to advance Judaism, combining that with violence, maybe not the best solution. So there was another group who said, instead of being violent, let's have a devotion to the text. And this group called the Pharisees is one that we tend to mock. And yet, as I've studied more about them, I've come to respect the role that the Pharisees played because actually their zeal was aimed to help people go back to that post-exile mindset of let's not repeat all the mistakes we already made. Let's teach people the Bible so that we come away with a conviction to do what's right. And of course, not only did they take the 634 commands in the Old Testament, but they put a hedge around that with another 3,000 commands. And through all of this, they uh, enforced it not only on themselves, (laughs) but they would point it out in everybody else's life when they weren't doing it. So you had all these different groups. Yeah, Marty, Marty said about the Pharisees, he said, we, we mock them, but if we had one ounce of their devotion, look out. Yeah. But there was a there's a double edge to that because each one of these had their strengths, but then they also had their weaknesses. And you've already mentioned violence and corruption. What was the Pharisees' hard edge? Well, d- did you pick up on that, Katie? Yeah, it's a lack of compassion, which mm. obviously Jesus chides them for over and over and over again. Yeah, and he said, um, the, our problem is that we are spiritual Pharisees and cultural Herodians. 
So we are, we're embracing the comforts of the world and can be very religious and pious and devoted to the text. So but the but worst lack, of both sides. The, yeah. He said, when we lack compassion, the two of them together, it's the worst combination. We're worldly and we lack compassion and religious at the same time. So it's, it's just, we, you know, it's a double whammy, triple whammy, but, but, but I have a question, Brett. So you just gave us a history lesson. And how is this one of the four pillars of, of following Jesus? What, how does this connect to community? You just told us five groups of people. Well, the first thing I want to do is say that there's no way from that, what, five-minute explanation of those groups that you're going to actually pick up as much as you'd really like to. So I do point you back to some of the BAMA podcasts. I think it's right around in, in session three. And uh, honestly, I think it's between 73 and 83 is where they go into the introducing some of the New Testament background. Yeah, I'll and, link them in the show notes. Okay, so. that'd be great. So what, what you're going to find out is when Jesus went up on a mountain and he called those to him who he wanted to be with him. That's Luke 6 in verse 12. He had representatives from each group. And you start to see that Andrew, Peter, James, and John, what region were they from? Galilee. 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 So most likely influenced by the Pharisees. Pharisees, Okay. And so you have them. Then you have like Matthew. Now, Matthew was... A tax awesome. collector. Oh, wait. Sorry. We're not just talking about names. Oh, the best named. Uh, Got it. Okay. No, yeah. yeah, definitely. Definitely Herodian. Yeah. Herodian, he was in bed with the the Romans, and he was collecting the taxes. He was hated, you know. And, and possibly uh, Thomas was also a Herodian. But it's very interesting also that James, son of Alpheus, Alpheus is a Greek name. Mm-hmm. So guy going around with a Greek name, mm, likely that he was also influenced by the Greeks. Now, do you remember any of the, the zealots? Simon the zealot. And, and possibly one other, right? Judas. Yeah, Judas. They called him Iscariot. Judas Iscariot, and Iscariot was what a sword or, that they would carry on their leg or something that they'd pull out. And... Well, it, it also could be the region. So, Kariat-ish, Kariat man of Kariat, possibly. They also could be well, and when you look at Judas's life, you start to see he seemed to be complaining that Jesus wasn't more aggressive or violent, and why don't you overthrow the government like we expect? Now, here you have a group of 12, and you're trying to form community, so what's that going to be like? Uh, Explosive. Well, we already know. They fought over who was greatest all the time. It- uh, and and then to just point it out there that Marty br- brings up that very likely the only one of this little havara, this little group community was that was over eighteen was Peter. Yeah. Seems, oh yeah. Seems so a, young uh, teenage boys. And the reason that they thought he was over eighteen is because he had to pay the temple tax. He was the only one right. required to pay the temple tax. He had to be eighteen to pay the temple tax. Right. So you have young guys with drastically different worldviews, all of them tackling the same problems of life from very different perspectives. And it's, yeah, it blows up all over the place. And how, how, how is this going to, you know, why would Jesus pick these guys? <laughs> how dare you? I have teams, you guys lead teams. Um,
How does that, because I, I, I love that. It's a beautiful postmodern picture. It's a mosaic. It's, it's all over what we believe in the 21st century in popular culture. But something I had to wrestle with is, well, how is that going to show the kingdom of God on earth? What it really shows is, well, this is what is possible when people come together. And this is, this is the power of unity. It just, just the same as a football team. You got 53 guys that come together. They can win on a Sunday. How, how is this going to show the power of God? Have you ever been on Facebook? How dare you? <laughs> it's amazing how polarized our world is. And of course, we live in Washington, D.C., where politics is in our face 24-7. And obviously with now uh, CNN and other news outlets that are 24 by 7, we're getting worldviews thrown at us. And of course, I'm talking about politics, but the same thing happens in religion. Now we live in a very multicultural society. So it's not assumed that you're from a Judeo-Christian background. It's not assumed that you have the, the conviction of monotheism. And, and so... How do we build a community with all these people from different worldviews? Yeah. Yeah, I just, honestly, I just think about God's character and how he, he advocates over and over and over again through the Old Testament and the New Testament um, to love and protect and care for the foreigners, the outsider, the fatherless, the widows, the neglected, um, the lame, the lepers, and how God has always been trying to bring people into his community, even um, bringing the Gentiles in, um, into the Jews, um, Jewish community. And so I think part of that is, and obviously Jesus was God, and so he came to show that. I'm here to unite people who aren't naturally going to get along and who don't naturally want to be together. Um, so that's my... I, I just had a brain blast that... Oh my gosh. Okay. So what we're, what we're saying and what Marty was saying and what I think, what we think the gospel is saying is that gospel is meant, the kingdom of God is to, um, pull in, uh, to be the opposite, the fix of humanity scattering and humanity fighting each other and hating each other and attacking each other. It wasn't meant to be that. So do you remember in John 13, when Jesus goes and he washes the feet of the disciples? Sure. Right? So right after that, you know, he's the one getting down and serving he says, uh, new command I give you that you should love one another as I have loved you. And then he says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. What, what, what's the, the proof? By your love, one for another. For whom? For one another. For now, each other. yeah. obviously that, that is a, a universal truth that people will know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another in a general rule. But I also wonder... If based on this, that this little havara, this little community of guys that completely disagree with one another, that have no business being together and serving one another, that may even hate each other. Imagine Simon and Matthew, those guys hating each other. Simon wants to stab Matthew because you sold out the Jewish people. I wonder if Jesus is saying, all men will know that you're my disciples because you're loving each other, people that are so different. Mm -hmm. People that you would never associate with, people that you maybe disagree with and hate, despise, and yet you still love them. Yeah, I really appreciate Marty's challenge in community, which his challenge was extremely direct. Mm -hmm. 
He said, am I in radical fellowship with people that I disagree with? Mm. Mm-hmm. That's a testimony to the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, well, it's funny because um, <laughs> after he said that, he was mentioning how some people are like, well, I don't like how that Marty guy talks to that Rob Bell guy. And I was like, yeah, I've thought that the whole time that I've been listening to Bo- the uh, Bama podcast. And then as soon as he said, that, I was like, oh, my gosh, I've been doing that. It's so easy to do that and be like, well, why do you listen to that person or why do you talk to that person? You shouldn't even associate with that person because of how it's going to affect your reputation. But. I was just thinking about how opposite that is of God's character. And his answer was because I learn truth from everybody. And, you know, if you think about the fact that all people are made in the image of God, that God has indwelt in every person something unique, we actually have something to learn from everybody. And even in the midst of all the political stuff that happens in Washington, I actually try to listen very closely to both sides. I want to hear what what are we not doing? Like when we talk about the alien, the orphan, and the widow, how are we going to meet the needs of that group? And I love the fact that people on the the Democrat side have this heart for the, the the people who are not spoken for. And, and, you know, I'm actually a conservative myself. So, you know, I want to have a balance. We're not making political stands here, everybody. <laughs> not at all. But, but the, this actually engaging in this conflict is really important. So do you, I don't know. But so I, I'm, I'm listening to this and Katie brought it up a little bit. Marty asked the question of, does my personal fellowship testify to the very character and nature of God? Meaning God is one who wants to save every person regardless of what they've done. He wants to associate with everyone. Jesus associated with Pharisees and Sadducees and with tax collectors and with zealots. That's the nature of God to bring everyone in. Is that my mindset? And he followed that up. He said, well, do people say, what are you doing with them? What, do people question who you spend your time with? And if nobody is questioning who you're spending your time with, you might not be as inclusive as you think. You may not be representing the nature of God. You may not be following your rabbi. Exactly. In fact, if you don't, you are not following your rabbi, which is so challenging that that if I bring that to 21st century America, I need to be not just associating with, but loving and serving and giving my heart to both the LGBT community and the radical right to Democrats and Republicans, to people that, I mean, I don't know anybody in the Klan, but I guess that too. And the, you know. And our enemies, right? Because a lot of times when something happens with Iran or Iraq or Afghanistan, there's this outcry. And I believe Jesus said that we're supposed to pray for our enemies. Yep. And love them. And love them. And I think that's that right there. That's how we put the world back together. But then the question is, well, are we, are we doing that? Most of the time, I as a as a Christian, I spend a lot of time thinking about where I got to hold the line, where I got to hold the standard high, rather than trying to bring more people in. I'm I'm gatekeeping. I'm keeping people out rather than bringing them all in. Yeah, I mean, I think about how hard the New Testament is trying to help these these newly established churches to break down barriers and break down walls because 
these churches have so many different people from different backgrounds and they're they're fighting you know so many letters in the new testament we get to read about all kinds of fights that they had um, and disagreements that they had and how they didn't treat each other equally and all of that but then when i think about our christianity nowadays our evangelicalism it's getting more and more tribal and most of the time we're spending our time just thinking about how much more righteous are we than another group yeah. or what what are all the things that I can list that I do better than this other group or that we do right rather than wanting to actually include one another and fellowship with one another. God's character is all about destroying the dividing walls of hostility. And to be clear, just to, to finish this out, we're not talking about tolerance. Yeah. In fact, when you say tolerance, it's more like, well, we're just going to coexist with people. That's not good enough, actually. What we are exactly saying, and I think the gospel is saying, yes, you do need to include everybody, but to just tolerate their existence. No, 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 no. That's not good enough. You need to go and love them and serve them the way Jesus would serve them. And that is how we put the world back together. That is a community that shows you something's different. That is what shows Jews and Gentiles and Muslims and atheists that there's something different about this Jesus. So I think we're going to stop there for this time. That is community for Matt Fisk, Katie Fisk, and Brett Kreider. Thanks for listening. We will catch you the next time we talk about our third pillar, text. Text.